Hello, everyone. Welcome to All I Know Is This, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. My name is Amy Starr Redwine. I'm one of the pastors and the head of staff here at the church, and I'm excited to be in the middle of season two of our podcast. This season, we are having conversations on the theme, Can We Talk? Biblical Conversations in Good Faith. And I have been having wonderful conversations with um, church members and leaders in the city of Richmond about what wisdom they can share with us about having what we are calling good faith conversations. I know that my guests today have a lot of wisdom and experience to share on this topic uh, with us, and I'm really delighted to welcome the co-pastors of Richmond Hill, Lisa Johnson and Joel Blunk. I'm looking forward to having them share more with us about Richmond Hill. Some of you may be familiar with it, some of you may not, and about the work that they've done there and maybe in other places and what they've learned about having challenging conversations, because we are certainly in a season of that. So Joel and Lisa, welcome, and would love to just start by having you kind of introduce yourselves and tell us about the work that you're doing and and tell us about Richmond Hill. I'm Joel Blunk and um, co-pastor here at Richmond Hill. I've been here over four years now, approaching five quickly. Richmond Hill is an ecumenical residential community uh, and retreat center here in the heart of Richmond. We're on Church Hill. We're on the largest hill in the city, and we sit on the southwest corner of Church Hill, kind of overlooking Shaco Bottom and the James River. And you can see I-95 very easily out the window, and, and we look over towards the Capitol building, at least on that end of, of the property. Mm-hmm. But we've been in existence here now for uh, 32 years, and uh, we are committed to seeking the healing of metropolitan Richmond through prayer and hospitality, racial reconciliation, and spiritual development. And those are key pillars of our work. Uh, We do have a residential community that lives together here that keeps the prayers going. There are nine of us who live here right now, and it's our responsibility to take care of the property and to ensure that the praying of the hours continues. Hmm. Uh, We're not the first to pray here, though. We stand on the shoulders of many people who have come to this hill to pray. There's anecdotal evidence that there uh, were Native people who prayed on this hill because it was the highest hill, and you can watch the sunset over what was then the Powhatan River, and uh, this would have been a place where they would have buried their their dead and come to visit their ancestors, as well as come uh, to pay respects for a a power greater than themselves. Uh, In the late 1800s, a group of nuns were invited to come here to pray for the healing of the city. And they came from Baltimore and they began praying and and set up a a monastery here on the hill uh, that continued for 120 years. So we, we recognize this as sacred ground and we see it as part of our responsibility to care for the ground and to honor it and uh, to pray for the community that, um, encircles us here. Yeah. And I I want us to talk a little bit more about how you lead that effort at Richmond Hill. But um, Lisa, I would love to to hear from you too. I know your history at Richmond Hill is a little bit different from Joel's, but I'd love for you to tell us about it. Thank you for having us, Amy. Um, 
I, I often wonder how I ended up here <laughs> <laughs> because I did everything in my knower to not come. Mm. Um, and I found out that my plans didn't matter at all, but God had a plan. Mm. And so I retired after 31 years in the public education system and um, thought that I was getting ready to just settle and do ministry the way I wanted to do it. There, ha there has been a tugging of Richmond Hill for probably two or three years. And I kept denying it and kept denying. And God so orchestrated it that Janie Walker, who was the co-pastoral director here along with Joel, kept inviting me to dinner or to lunch. And, and she kept encouraging me that in her retirement, I should consider coming to Richmond Hill. Joel began to call and I, I started ducking him the way I used to duck Janie. But in January of this year, I came to be the interim co-pastoral director here at Richmond Hill. And I have not regretted it one day. I know that this is the place that I have been called to do work. I know that I have been called to be a part of the healing of this metropolitan area. And what a privilege it is to be able to do that from the highest hill in the city. We've had a rough year because I was six weeks in and COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And so it's one thing to have served as an associate minister in my church, but to be called to be the co-pastoral director and COVID comes, you don't know how to be the co-pastor without COVID. So you certainly don't know how to do it <laughs> with COVID. But God in his infinite wisdom has given me a friend in Joel Blanc who has, when I say he's been a paraclete to walk alongside me, to help me navigate this unusual time, it has been such a blessing to be able to care for God's people, even at a distance. And I'm not a virtual person. I, I, I like, I'm a touchy feely kind of person. And so learning to navigate that and to navigate caring for people from afar has been really interesting, but it also teaches me that we can't get caught up in what what's the norm for us. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing to be flexible or fluid so that we can flow with the plan of God. Mm, that is such a great learning from this time. I'm sure that some of your experiences around this topic that we're talking about in terms of conversations have been had maybe long before you came to Richmond Hill and your ministry and your teaching. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I would love to hear what your what you have learned, what your what you feel like you're learning, um, particularly in a community like Richmond Hill that um, seems to draw a lot of different kinds of people to come mm -hmm. and do the work that you do. While it's been very rewarding, it's been very challenging also because I, I'm one who makes room for righteous anger, not just in COVID. COVID only uncovered a lot of disparities that were already in place, mm -hmm. but the, the police brutality and the killings that have happened over the course of this year and, and having to know how to navigate my conversation so that I am not offensive, also so that I am not cowering down mm -hmm. and, and stuffing my true emotions. When I, when I do that, I don't give people the opportunity to deal with me at an authentic level. Mm. If I change who I am in order to make them feel comfortable, they don't really know who I am. And so 
it's been a privilege to be able to have hard conversations. I have much harder conversations with Joel privately than I do publicly so that I can get it all out so that we don't hurt God's people. Mm-hmm. Um, because this is not about me. It's big, much bigger than me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I want to help my European brothers and sisters understand some of the microaggressions, some of the coded language that we experience, some of the, um, the hurt we experience, because I don't think it's ever really anybody's intention to hurt when we're having these conversations. But if we don't, if we don't say, ouch, people will continue to do what they're doing. And so it's, it's been, it's been an ebb and a flow, up and a down. It's been um, really interesting, but I also see it as really healing because when you're honest with one another, that's the way the healing, the scripture says in John eight, that the truth is what's going to set us free. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't tell each other the truth, we are never going to be free. I really appreciate that, Lisa. And, and I think just to emphasize what you said that in some of these conversations, it's so important to bring our whole selves, our, our true selves. And I grew up in Virginia, so I'm allowed to say this, that there's such a thing called Virginia nice, you know, yeah. where we we don't want to hurt anybody. That's, that's the last thing that we want to do. But sometimes what that means is that exactly as you said, people think they have to suppress true feelings. Joel, how about, how about you? I came to Richmond Hill from central Pennsylvania a few years ago and was really called to the communal life here and to the work around spiritual formation and was very interested in becoming a part of the racial reconciliation work. I had less experience um, with that particular work and have been really grateful for um, colleagues like Lisa who have been supportive and patient and willing to work not just with me, but with the residents and uh, those who come to Richmond Hill who are eager to have hard conversations and and willing to do this work and who care about justice issues. We found, I think, in this time of pandemic that one of the things that's happened is the residential community itself suddenly found itself cloistered here Hmm. differently because we we all came to do the hospitality work and the spiritual work, and, and we all came to participate in the racial healing work. And oftentimes, we're so busy trying to help that happen for others that we haven't had the chance to, to do it ourselves. And hmm. Lisa has been a help with us here among the residents now because we have to do work virtually. We, we see each other regularly. And it's been a time for us to rely on each other and to have the difficult conversations with each other. And we've, we've done some very intentional race work as a community in our times of formation. And uh, we've also begun that with our wider circle of volunteers and staff. And we recognize that that's not just a one-off conversation. This is something we've got to talk about on a regular basis. And so we've made a commitment, a renewed commitment ourselves to doing that work throughout the coming year. We have begun some archeological work on the property and we, we have the remnants of a slave house on the property that we are exploring in more detail. Um, we're doing some historical research uh, to learn about um, 
finding the names of people who have been here. Uh, Pam Smith, who is our MICA coordinator, is also our resident historian. And she has helped us to recognize the bigger story that we stand upon here at Richmond Hill. And, and it's been both hard to learn some of these things, mm -hmm. but also I think liberating for us to recognize that we can do a better job. We can always do a better job. And, and while we see what's happening around us in the world as an answer to our prayers, hmm. uh, even though it's really hard and difficult and uncomfortable, we know that this is important and we know that we've got to participate in, in it ourselves, that mm -hmm. we've got work to do. We've been influenced by both the Catholic Church and the Episcopal Church, two institutions that are predominantly white and have mm -hmm. racist histories of their own. Mm -hmm. And we need to break the legacy of that and call into question our own racist behaviors and practices. Mm -hmm. and, and we do that in a small way in conversations that we have with one another right here, but also in terms of our work in trying to seek justice and changing systems in our community and being supportive of the wider work that needs to happen. I really appreciate you lifting up the, um, the learning of having to intentionally stay with those conversations and return to them again and again and again. And that's been a theme that's come up in this season in the podcast is the reminder that, you know, when we talk about some of these really entrenched issues that, that go back so far, especially in our country's history, that we are not going to resolve them quickly because yeah. we didn't get where we are quickly. And so that I think that's a really helpful reminder that for any of these really big issues, it's probably not a one conversation thing. It's probably a lifetime conversation. Yeah. And I think it's a, that's a good segue into bringing up the scripture for this week, uh, which I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts on, because I think one of my favorite things about this scripture, and this is from Genesis chapter 18, uh, when Abraham has a pretty remarkable conversation with God. And one of my favorite things about it is the courage that Abraham exhibits in initiating this conversation. And the courageous part comes in that Abraham, in my reading, challenges God to uphold God's own standards of justice and mercy. And um, this is about whether God is going to destroy a city. And Abraham says, well, basically, how many people in that city have to be righteous for you not to destroy it? And he starts at a high number, and then he sort of bargains God down. And he yeah. keeps going back to say, well, maybe we can get it down a little more and down a little more. I would think given the work that you do for the healing of the city and all the prayers that you pray for Richmond on a regular basis, that you have some experience being in conversation with God about a city. And so I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this passage. I said to Joel, I'm going to have to go back and read Genesis 18 because it's been a long time since I even landed there. Mm -hmm. And I went back and remembered that I started a message probably 15 years ago to preach that I still have not preached called The Negotiator. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I thought about when I was looking at my notes from way back about Abraham being a negotiator, almost as if it's a hostage situation. Hmm. 
And and the thing is that the people were hostage to their sin. And Abram, Abraham was pleading on behalf of all of the people. And so when I think about our daily prayers and how we pray for the city government and the land and the public librarian and the cafeteria worker and the the bankers. And I mean, we, we cover the gamut when we do our daily prayers. And so we are really pleading with God on behalf of the people in the city. And we even pray for the prisoners. And so it, it is not the people who are just righteous that we're praying on behalf of, but God won't you say the, po- the folk who are unrighteous because of the faith and the behaviors of the people who are, won't you save the city because of the faith of the people who are serving you. I think that is one of the beauties of this place. When when the scriptures say Christ died once for all, he really died once for all. Mm-hmm. We're praying, we're covering the all and all means all. That was the beauty of it for me. I thought, you know, my friends always say, because I, I have tirades with God all the time and my friends are like, God's going to get you. And I said, no, the, the scripture said we can come boldly. Mm-hmm. And so not, not with disrespect or arrogance, like we have the right to say anything, but I do think we have an obligation to remind God of God's word. And, and I thought it was pretty bold for Abraham to say, aren't you going to do the right thing? If you're asking us to be righteous, Yeah, aren't you going to do the right thing? Aren't you going to save these folk because you're God and you can? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stop and, and see what my friend has to say. Just, just a big amen, Lisa. <laughs> I think you just, just preach that sermon you've been preaching. Yeah, no kidding. I think what strikes me, too, about Abraham is his faithfulness. And and I often find that when when we pray here, that it it just becomes very repetitive and the risk is that we just we're just doing it by rote and it's hard to avoid that but there's an aspect to it that is very much a, a daily practice of faithfulness that we're just going to go to the chapel and we're going to pray and we're going to say the same prayers and we're going to have time to offer specific prayers for right now and for our own lives and for those we love and just that steadiness in there is really important. And while the presentation of this conversation between Abraham and God happens very quickly here, the one of the things that stands out to me is that Abraham kept coming back to mm-hmm. God. And, mm-hmm. and what, it could have happened over the a course of weeks or, yeah. or months or, or 32 years or 150 years of just, okay, God, we need more. We need more. There's, there's an opportunity here for justice and for righteousness, and we're not there yet. And I I think that parallels where we are as a country and certainly where we are as a city, recognizing that there are just significant injustices that continue because we are a racist culture. And we've got to get through that, and we've got to get to the root of the cause of the sin that continues to plague us as we treat people differently. Mm-hmm. We don't, we're not treating people equitably. And, and that seems to be an issue for Abraham in the story too, is how are you going to treat everybody well here? Yeah. <laughs> and aren't you a God of justice? And we can't read the story without hopefully looking through the lens of the gospel and the good news of God's grace and be reminded that that God is somehow changed in this story. Mm-hmm. 
to do the very thing that we trust God to do, which is to be loving and forgiving. And uh, it reminds me of something that a friend of mine says that uh, without God, we cannot, without us, God will not, that, mm. that we are needed too to participate. And I think that God must be pleased that Abraham cared enough to stand up and say, hey, uh-huh. have you thought about this? And, yeah. and I think that's part of our calling in the world today is to care enough to stand up and say, hey, this matters. And we're not only going to pray for it, but we're going to work for it too. I, I kind of got chills, Joel, when you were talking about Abraham coming back and thinking about, did it happen? Was this one conversation or was this multiple conversations over a longer period of time? And in any fight for justice, when any movement is made, forward movement, there is often a point of pushback to say, well, you achieved that, isn't that enough? And we can see that throughout history, you know, when um, different strides are made. Okay, well, that's that's enough. We've made some, some forward progress. And, um, you know, this example from Abraham to go back and say, yeah, but I think we can do more. I think there's yeah. more that needs to be done, which I find helpful to think about as we think about the stamina and the perseverance that's needed to bring about the kind of justice that, that the vision that God has given us. I so appreciate the wisdom that you all have shared and am also incredibly grateful for the work that you do and the prayers that you pray every day for Uh, our city and all of the people in it. And it's really inspiring to me. I want our folks who are listening to know if they are also inspired, how they can find out more and and maybe learn how they might be able to get involved in the work that you do. Where would you send them to find out more? The easiest thing to do is go to our website at richmondhillva.org. There's a listing of activities that are happening right now virtually, as well as more information about the history of the work that we're a part of here at Richmond Hill. And there are also ways to contact Lisa or myself there or others in the community. And and there's lots more information there of ways people can get involved. And once this thing settles down, we rely heavily on volunteers. So if people want to reach out to see how they can come and get involved day to day here, we'd be happy to talk to people about that. Well, that's great. And just a shout out to our covenant pastor, Janet LeGros, yes. who is one of your faithful volunteers. So our folks who know Janet can also talk with her about, about Richmond Hill. Yes. She has had wonderful experiences and is, is a real advocate of yours as well. Thank you again. It's been a real gift to talk to you. And I want to thank all of our listeners for being with us and uh, remind you that you can find out more about this particular sermon series and about all of our programs at First Presbyterian at fpcrichmond.org and listen to previous episodes and sermons in the series. Um, And we'll be back next week with another um, podcast episode and uh, hope you'll join us. In the meantime, thanks for listening.